Ben Gillies, you actually, as far as I recall, I think you lads in your other band did work experience uh, with us in a Newcastle radio station an awfully long time ago. Yeah, I remember doing work experience at New FM. Yeah, it's a long time ago and we weren't allowed to tell anybody that you were there in case the place was mobbed by girls. Do you want me to tell you a funny story? Don't tell anyone that they're here. Of course I want a funny story. We had to, as part of our work experience, we had to do a morning and a night show. Yeah. And um, I can't remember who the night guys were, but they were really funny. And during the, like, the while music was playing, all the ads, that they had, like, all kinds of competitions around the studio. So yeah. you had to, like, hit a bullseye or do, you know. And then the dares were just completely ridiculous. And um, so we <laughs> we dared the guy, the, the announcer, we said, if you lose this, you have to walk out into the street and just the next bunch of cars that walk past, you have to just dack yourself, just pull your pants down and just stand there, just you know, full so Monty. That's so Newcastle. It yeah. is so Newcastle. Anyway, yeah. he, he lost and he went and did it and we thought it was hilarious. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. I suspect I recall who that may have been as well. Can you, can you <laughs> no, reveal? No, not here. Not now. What was it like <laughs> being a kid being thrust into that level of media interest and I guess intrusion. Oh, we were pretty unaware, I think. We Oblivious? Were, yeah, just, you know, blissfully unaware. We were too worried about playing our music and running around and going to diners and and just being teenage boys. It, yeah. be, it became fairly monumental pretty rapidly though, didn't it? Yeah. But no, we you know, we had good people around us and and uh we were fairly sheltered from a lot of stuff. Yeah. But um Were you at Newcastle High? Yes. Yeah, with Peter McNair? Yes. Yeah, he's just the most wonderful bloke. I think we may have actually spoken a few years ago about um, your time at the school. As I just find him such a great school principal. But no, he's cool. Peter talking about, you know, trying to trying to keep it real and help you still achieve the things that you wanted to achieve. Yeah, no, he, he was a really good school principal. I remember a few times we'd, the three of us would rock up to his office and... In a good way, or in a good way. No, in a good way. Yeah. We weren't in trouble, uh-huh. and a bit, no, because we had these grand ideas of putting concerts on it at the school. Yeah, and we'd be we'd sell him on why we had to do it and how we could make it happen, and and he was really accommodating. Like I'm pretty sure he wasn't supposed to do some of the things that he let us get away with, but yeah, he you know let us put on concerts and we'd rehearse in the music room and do all kinds of stuff. It's what we all want for for our kids, for our kids to be able to take something that they love and make. A living out of it. So I think that's what everybody wants. Well, yeah, it'd be ideal. But <laughs> were your parents at that stage when you were still in school? Were they were they cool enough to say, you know, you've got to follow your dream. You've you've got a shot. Go for it. Or was there a little bit of pressure from around you to say, oh God, get a real job? Oh no, we. I mean, I think we were young enough to be able to just go with it. We weren't at that age that it was like, oh well, you know, what are you going to? You're going to cut your hair and go and go to uni or or whatever it was. Mm. We were still just teenage kids just running around. So it was, yeah, we were just living in the moment. We were setting ourselves up from a long-term career. You know, it wasn't, we weren't thinking just let's go out and just milk this for all it's worth and then it's all over. We, we really, we were conscious of making a long-term thing. And they were too, our parents were as well. Yeah. And, all, and all the people around us. So yeah. we, we were very lucky.
I sometimes suspect because you still remain in Newcastle and remain essentially based here, that you must feel a strong tie to the community here having supported you. Because you can pop into Derby Street and be left alone. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, I'm still just, I'm still just a person. <laughs> <laughs> what has been the wildest part of the journey? The wildest part of the journey? Probably the shows. Some of the shows and some In of In Australia, overseas? There was a few in it. One show in Australia that stands out for me is at the Royal Easter show. It was, must have been 98. And um, there was like 30,000 people there and it was free and it was, well, it was part, you had to go to the show to be able to get in, but it was just. God, mad- I hate the Easter it, show. It was just madness. It is madness. It's madness. Still Let, madness. W- without having you lot playing there for starters. So you've just released your first solo album with Bento. Yes. Been released a few months ago, and I know that we've had Diamond Days here on 1233, uh, for which I love the video. Who's the kid? Where did you find the kid? He's a family friend of the um, of the young lady that produced it, and we kind of did a bit of a casting to have a look at uh, a few different possibilities. But mm. they, um, Holly, who produced it, just said, I, "I know the perfect young boy to do it. He's he looks like a you know he, he gets right into character and oh, doesn't he? There's a young man who's going to wear his undies on the outside and be a superhero for you. Exactly. He's and you know his whole family you know really helped out and they were really accommodating and let him have time off school to be able to do it. And yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. That must have been the how old is he? Seven. It's got to be the coolest thing. Yeah. When you're a kid. Guess yeah. what I'm doing? It was funny that on the day, because it was a two-day shoot, we did his stuff first, and then there was the performance the next day when I was I did all my stuff. Yeah. And he rocked up. There was a few moments he, he was in the, the on the performance day, and Holly came up to me and said that, that he was asking Holly, like, why, why was it all about Ben today? Why isn't it, why is, you know, it feels like the, this music video is all about Ben today. Yeah, what's, Not, he, what's he doing? What's, why isn't it about me <laughs> as much today? Love him. Yeah, so I thought that was cute. How does Bento vary from previous work with Tambourine? Tambourine for me was just a, a stepping stone, really. It was kind of like a, a summer fling, you know? Yeah, your but, first step out of Silverchair. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think I really wanted to write with another person because I hadn't had that responsibility of writing on my own. And, so, and outside of Silverchair, there isn't the the infrastructure and and the the big budgets and yep. all that and yep. and that's the, that has a that has a great place as well because it can take things to the next level but you know doing stuff independently it's almost a lot more pressure on the songwriter yeah because you do have to everything is you there's there's no there's no one else to take the load a bit mm. so it was for me to to do something outside of that that yeah Tamberlane was that step to to get to Bento to give me the confidence to be able to do my own thing Ben Gillies joins me here at 1233 ABC Newcastle how long did it take you to get that confidence to feel that you could do that outside that little unit that safe creative unit of of Silverchair and you could do it by yourself because you're sticking your neck out you're writing your own material you're recording your own stuff and you're going to be judged. So you've got this, you know, juggernaut of success behind you and all of a sudden you're not the front guy either. Yeah. You've, you've got to really put it on the line and say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm having a go and I can do this. Yeah, it's scary as hell. But I think it's one of those things where I don't want to be an old man, you know, it's, I don't know, sitting in a pub somewhere drinking a beer thinking, why didn't I give that a crack when I had the yeah. chance? So, yeah. I mean, and the, the thing with Silverchair as well is because it is such a big beast, 
and uh, and it's great. And I love you know I love that that side of what I do, mm. but you know it does take up a lot of energy and a lot of time, and so. I didn't, I've never really had enough drive to be able to do my own thing. Mm. So the silver chair going into in, indefinite hibernation has just given me the time and, and the, and the freedom to, to be able to do it. And I finally have, you know, for whatever reason, the timing wasn't right before, but now I have that confidence to be able to think bugger it. I'm just doing my own thing. So the confidence and the motivation to, to take the risk. Yeah. The confidence and motivation, the time, the energy, and yeah. it was just, it was just the right timing. What's your headspace around it, Ben? Is it that, don't care if you don't like it, I'm doing it anyway? I think any, any artist, yeah, you do have to have that understanding that people are subjective and there's always going to be someone that loves Slipknot compared to <laughs> someone that likes, you know, Mozart, you know, everyone in the world isn't going to love your music, Yeah, but you still want it to be received to the people that you th- that may like it, you know, positively. But you know, the reaction's been amazing, and the whole—I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head. Where it is, you're putting your neck out there. It's scary, like you're going to be judged immediately. But yeah, the reaction's been amazing. Yeah, I, th- I think any any form of artist, whether it's visual arts or music or whatever, for someone to make that decision and the belief in themselves that I'm an artist and I'm going to try and support myself doing this, yeah, is it's a gutsy thing. I don't think I've got the courage to do that. Well, it's, it's, it's almost like you're standing in front of people, the full Monty. Yeah. Just saying, here I am. Like check, me? Check it out. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Here it is. I can't change it. <laughs> it is what it, it is. It is what it is. Now you you mentioned the uh, the magic words there indefinite hibernation. Yes. When any band does that, there is a lot of um, discussion and <laughs> chatter about someone's not talking to someone, someone doesn't like someone else in the band. They're fighting, they're arguing, they're never getting back together. They are just having a break. What's going on? I heard um, Keith Richards say on an interview the other day. He said that being in a band is like a marriage. But he said the difference between a marriage is it's not, it's like a business relationship as well. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's like even if you do work with someone for 20 years and you go to work from nine to five, you go home and you have other things and. Hmm. Which let's be serious. That is about the longevity lifespan of silver chair of you three young men thus far, isn't it? Yeah. 20 years. So it almost feels like it's not only the business relationship, but then it's a marriage on top of it. You know, you, mm. you, you spend so much time with those people mm. and not even just the guys in the band, but, uh, you know, management and crew yeah. and yeah. It all beca- the stuff that goes with it. Yeah. And then, you know, all these, a lot of other things can start co- to come into it. But And th- someone says, you've changed, man. <laughs> but I, re- I think the reason Silverchair has um, had such good longevity is because we've be a- been able to recognise when we all need to take a break, take a breather, and go and do other things. Yeah, 
And we've, uh, the funny thing is we, we've done it probably three or four times yeah. and every single time people go, what's happening? Where yeah. are you going? Where are you going? It's yeah. like, look, we've done this before. It's nothing new. The universal response amongst musicians that I've interviewed over the last 20, 25 years who have come from bands that have had that sort of big success, whether in Australia or overseas as well, that the thing that has enabled them to keep going is to be able to take a break. Yeah. From each other. Yeah, exactly. It's actually, even the Rolling Stones is actually a perfect example because... Did you hear that news the other, Bill Wyman is going to be doing this? I know. What? (laughs) Anyway, let's not discuss what we really think about that. Sorry, Ben, you were saying? (laughs) You are. Yeah. Do you need a hug? (laughs) Yeah, later. There's nothing worse than breaking up and deciding that all we really needed was a bit of time. Yeah. And then coming back to it and saying we're reforming. Yeah. You know, it's much better to say, look, we're taking a breather. Then you come back and it's like nothing's changed. We don't want to do a um, a Farnham final tour several times. <laughs> but, That's a genius move, though, you've got to admit. Marketing-wise, it's Yeah, genius. but there's only so long you can carry it off, right, before people start to go, oh, man, you're just after a quid. I would like to know how many final tours the final, final, final tour John Farnham has done. I reckon three. I don't know. Maybe four. I don't know. The listeners will have a theory on that and they've probably been to some of them. Tell me about Bento. How do you uh, pull people together to work with? Are they, they people that you've known forever? How do, how do you make that decision on, right, I'm going to trust you with my new babies? The way we did it, actually, we, we were in the studio in Sydney and the producer and myself, like, we kind of, we could clunk away on a piano or different instruments. But, you know, when you get the really killer players and they can just make it so, sound so much better yeah and the way it just panned out is that we just get on the phone so we'd be if we were working on something and we thought oh maybe it needs a, a nice piano part or a nice line through here or whatever it was and uh, we just get on the phone and start calling friends and it was whoever was close by whoever was in within 10 minutes they would come in but out of that, we did actually get three guys that became pretty staple in the in the whole record that really and they they helped mesh the whole thing together. You know, it was really reactive. If a song needed a particular sound and we knew a guy, we'd call him straight away. If he wasn't around, we'd because he's some- the person that can make the sound you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we'd try someone else, and so it just whatever it needed in that moment, we just went for it. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Why have you stayed in Newcastle? You could have lived anywhere in the world you wanted to. Why'd you stay here? Oh, I think Novocastrians all know that it's a pretty special place. And I've, I've actually, I've had some Sydney friends that have moved here purely out of necessity. Hmm. And after six months, they'll, you know, I'll, I'll go and meet them for a coffee or something. And they'll just be like, I had no idea how good this place was. And I was like, what do you think? I'm te- I tell all my friends. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it's just not, I think Newcastle's a, a, a good mix of, it feels like it's connected enough to the world and, you know, it's two hours to Sydney, but dis- disconnected enough, or not disconnected is not the right word, it's, um, you know, just removed enough. Just that, out of the way enough. Just out of the way enough that it's it's quiet and you can, you can relax. Hmm. And you can just be you. Yeah. So what's next? Where are you up to now? The album's been out for a couple of months now, hasn't it? Yep. So are you just taking a break over heading into Christmas or? Just, uh, yeah, just trying to make people aware of Bento because it is a new project and I can't assume that uh, Silverchair fans are automatically going to come to Bento. So it's just getting the word out there. And Although you seem to have quite a, a social media following. I follow you on Twitter and you seem to have a constant stream of fans from around the world sharing information about Bento. Yeah. I think 
probably the the large majority of those are silver chair fans. So mm. you know, I'm thankful for that. But yeah, I just got to go beyond you know beyond that and yeah. and make other people aware. Find of it. find new friends. Exactly. Is that the biggest challenge now? Oh, not really. I I think. With the Bento Project, this is the first step in many. So I've just got to keep making music and keep getting it out there. And, mm. and because it is the way the music industry is is these days, you really need to have that, yeah, social media, constant stuff in people's faces and mm. videos and photos. And, and I actually, really, I love that stuff. It's, it gives you, the artist, a lot more power. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Like if you have fun with it, we did a lot of time-lapse videos of doing the artwork for the record and it was just, it's just a blast. So as long as you make it fun, then, you know, I think that people can connect with that and, and get involved. They feel like they can have involvement and they feel like they've, they can see behind the scenes and, you know. Has doing this project in particular now liberated you to write more and to be more creative? Yeah, I think so. I've always said creativity breeds creativity. Mm. So the more you do it, the more ideas you get and the more it just um, snowballs. Yeah, I mean, I've already got, I don't know, 20 songs ready for like another record. And, you know, I keep calling my manager saying, hey, I've got this whole new concept for another record and it's going to be great and we can do this and, you know, and she's been going... Okay, just slow down. Settle down. Just settle down. This, the record's <laughs> only just been out for a couple of months. So you know. will, will the next project necessarily be Bento as we know it now or might it head off on a completely different tangent? I think it'll most probably go on a different tangent. It'll yeah. still be Bento. Like that's kind of what I'm, you know, Bento is my baby and my... But... So it'll be Bento, but you just don't know what you might get next time. Exactly. It'll be a Bento box with different... It might not be sushi in it. It'll be... Maybe there'll be a little... Tuna sandwich and I don't <laughs> excellent, know. excellent. Looking forward to it. Um, thanks very much for joining me for a chat today. Lovely to catch up with you. Maybe I should write a um, instead of "We Call Australia Home," I'll call a "We Call Newcastle Home" song. Yeah, can you not do that? Why? Oh, can you imagine? Okay, come on, songwriters challenge. That's what you have to do. You have to come in on a Friday music show with Mark Tinson one week, and we'll get you to do the songwriters challenge. It's awesome. <laughs> no, the listeners choose the topic, and you've got fifty minutes to go off and write a song and come back and perform it. You Mark, want to do the songwriters challenge? Mark Tino Tinson. Yep. Yeah, we've done we some. Do. Re- we've done some recording with Mark Tino. Tinson. I know he's all trouble, isn't he? He's a lot of trouble. Yeah. All right. You're on. All right. <laughs> ben, thank you. Thank you. So